The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
welcome to everyone with us. Uh, welcome to those joining us on live stream. It's great to have you. I'm Dennis Adams, worship associate, and happy to be here with you in worship. Also, part of our service today is the Reverend Vanessa Southern, our senior minister, and the Reverend Margot Campbell-Gross, our minister emerita, as well as Reiko Odelaine on organ, Mark Sumner, our music director and choir, with Ben Rudiak-Gold as our song leader, and Bill Gans accompanying. And I want to thank also Linda Messner, our head usher, and her team of ushers, our camera and AV team, headed up by Jonathan Silk, Eric Shackelford, and Shuli Ong, and Joe Chapeau is on chat to help all of our live stream attendees with any questions you might have. Thanks also to Remigio Flood and Kelvin Jones for helping prepare this space for us together, and Carrie Steele Salazar for the beautiful flowers. If you're with us for the first time, a special welcome. It's good to be here with you in worship. And so we begin doing so by lighting a candle in honor of all of you, especially those of you at home, bringing your spirit into this place until such time that we might all be together here again. And now we'll sing hymn 112, Do You Hear?
now if you'll join me in our unison chalice lighting, the words which are in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Good morning, everybody. And a special welcome to those folks who might be joining us for the first time here in the sanctuary or wherever the live stream finds you in your front um, room or on a beach or anywhere that technology will allow you to worship these days. Welcome. If you didn't already get as you came in today, or if you didn't link to it, I invite you to seek out the order of service so you can both participate fully in the worship service this morning, including sing the hymns, but also so that you can see what's going on in the life of the congregation and consider taking part in any of it, all of it that interests you. There's a connections form tucked in a pew in front of you. It's also available through a link in our, through our live stream link, and you will, if you fill that out, get a regular Wednesday email called The Flame or The Flame Plus once a month, which is a little more robust, that has what's going on in church and in our service in the wider world. And we will push into your email on Friday a link to the service and the order of service. So makes life even easier and connecting here even easier. So please consider filling it out. I wanted to note not only the ongoing opportunities for spiritual practice and service and learning that are part of life here at church, but this Sunday, an act of governance, which will happen also through the hybrid technologies, which is we are governed, those of you who are members know, and those of you who are just coming into Unitarian Universalism are learning by what's called congregational polity, which means that the body of the church votes democratically for the vast majority of important decisions that the congregation makes, which includes how we employ our resources in service of our mission, which is another way to describe our budget. So this week, we will be voting on our budget. So come right after service, grab a cup of coffee so you're energized for the uh, summary of the changes from last year and highlights and ask any questions that you have so that your sense of the fiduciary work of this church is, um, is answered to because we are pretty sure most of the answers will be ones that will feel comforting. And if not, we want to know what you have raised that we need to consider. So please come right after service. I did also want to note that the offering for today is going to go toward the Ministry of the Faithful Fools, which those of you who have been here years will know is a ministry that was started in this congregation by Kay Jorgensen, who was an affiliated community minister and social justice minister of this congregation, and Carmen Barsodi, who is still present at Faithful Fools and doing that work, and that is work in the tenderloin to sort of witness to and create community and see the beauty and potential and um, artistic life and nurture the spirits of people in that community. And it is uh, our neighboring community and it's part of the community that we are part of. And so we will continue to support that ministry and today's offering will be another way that we do that. 
those of you who are interested in finding out more about that ministry, I invite you to consider one of the street retreats, and I'm happy to talk to you about those. My husband just took a group of people from his work on one. It's another way to deepen our understanding of our, our neighborhood. And the last announcement is a plug because on Monday the 30th at 3 p.m. in Hertz Hall at UC Berkeley, we're going to have popcorn. No, no, not popcorn. It's a concert in honor of Mark Sumner's retirement from Berkeley and Bill Gans's retirement. If you don't like show tunes, don't go. I've heard there are going to be some show tunes. If you do, definitely go. And it is a creation and a narrative of what, of Mark, of your journey, right? As a musician and what you love. And there are some surprises and He's been working, I don't know, there are a lot of mornings he's been up till four in the morning working on this. So knowing Mark's gifts and talents and Bill Gans's gifts and talents and what they have done at Berkeley, it promises to be fantastic in any way, just a, a right celebration. So I just got my ticket online. If you don't want to be alone, find me. We can sit together. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and I encourage everyone. And I want you to think about this invitation to buy a ticket at the end of today's service after the sermon. Just put a little note to yourself. Why did she say that? All right. I think this concludes our announcements, though there are lots of other beautiful ones in the order of service. And so now what I want to invite us to do is uh, shake off the week and place ourselves deeply in the pew and our feet on the floor if they can reach there and the, feel the back of our couch against our back and, and then surrender into the singing of our meditation on breathing, joining in on one or the other parts and entering into the meditative surrender of this beginning to our worship today. On track with that love and peace, it's now time for our covenant and doxology. Love 
is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. So for over 20 years in this community, there have been groups meeting twice a month with two facilitators at set times, generally with an opening and a centering and a check-in and questions of deepening. And magic and beauty and flourishing has taken place in these groups over these two decades. And today we're going to celebrate some of what's made that possible and hear some more about it. I'm going to invite Margot Campbell-Gross. She's the Minister Emerita of this congregation. And she'll tell us a little bit more about the history of our small groups and also who we have to thank. I want to give you just a little bit of the history of why we started these groups. When John Marsh and I were ministers here in the late 1990s, we had a feeling that there was a need for, an opportunity for people to gather in smaller groups to listen to one another. Think of our first hymn, Do You Hear? And we wanted to enable and to help and to facilitate people hearing each other at deeper levels because we are all human beings knowing we are alive now and that we will die, we will all travel this same journey together. And on that journey, many things happen. Some of them are challenging. Some of them are wonderful. Some of them are puzzling. And we wanted the opportunity for people to really hear each other, hear each other's struggles, each other's joys, to listen to the spirit. And so we learned through members of this congregation that the worst a way of doing this through small group ministries. The church in the Northeast was already practicing this, and so this was brought back to our community. And we started small group ministries with an extraordinary woman, Carol Rooley, who was coordinator of these small group ministries for many, many years until her untimely death. And since then, we've had many devoted people who have been facilitators of those small group ministries. 
and also coordinated the whole program. And this is something that um, I am immensely grateful for. I think that people have made connections with each other. I think that truly the spirit has grown in many people and between people, and that we've shared some deep and tender moments in our lives through the possibilities of small group ministries. So I would like to invite two people who've been the coordinators this year, Greg Biggs and Millie Phillips, to come up and to thank the facilitators. Good morning. We now also invite uh, this year's small group ministries facilitators to join us uh, here on the chancel. When I accepted the role of co-coordinator of Small Group Ministries program in uh, June of 2020, we were uh, in the early stages of the global pandemic, and none of us knew how long it would last and what lay ahead. What we did know was that members needed a way to remain connected and share spiritual growth. Over the past two years, we have seen great loss and many people feeling a sense of hopelessness. Small Group Ministries has been a key to helping us overcome isolation during these challenging past two years. And we've had uh, participants ranging in ages uh, from early 20s to mid 80s. We have seen several first connect with this congregation through small group ministries during the pandemic go on to become members of the church. We've had people participate from as far away as Sacramento, Portland, and Texas, whom we might otherwise never have known and I know that we have participants with us today uh, on live stream who are very much a part of this community, even if they are not with us here in person. And I want to thank uh, this year's facilitators. Megan Lemmer and uh, Julia Wald have led our Monday group at the church, primarily in person, while navigating a way to keep the group safe and connected through the Omicron surge. Ben Baer and Ralph Fenn have uh, led our Wednesday group via Zoom. And Anish Johnson and I have led our Thursday group through the new platform, Chasm Junto. And I want to thank uh, Millie Phillips as a co-coordinator of Small Group Ministries with me the past year. She has brought great insight and leadership for, from her many years as facilitator. Thank you to all of you for providing a nurturing uh, community and spiritual growth to so many members this year. And finally, I, I want to present this to Margot. Uh, as a small uh, a symbol of gratitude uh, on behalf of all of the facilitators this year. I don't think I want to open this now, do I? <laughs> I want to thank um, Greg and Millie, who've been amazing co-coordinators this year. Um, Millie, took on this role knowing that she might not be able to be full-time because she was looking for a, a, a full-time job, which she found, a ministry, and then the ministry was able to be in person, and so that made her life a little bit more complicated. She had to drive to Concord, and so despite all of that, she has been a huge support and a leader for the group this year. I want to give you, Millie, something that was made by a member of our congregation, Richard Davis. Thank and you. Thank you very, very much for all you've done. 
And I want to thank Greg, who has been co-coordinator for two years now and has been absolutely extraordinary in the way he's managed through all the difficulties and the hiccups of new technology and maintained a presence of spiritual leadership, which I deeply, deeply appreciate. So Greg, I'm giving you something that was very dear to my great friend, Kay Jorgensen, and I hope you haven't got it, but if you have, you won't mind having another copy. Thank you. So thank you all. First of all, I'd like to thank Greg for his leadership. He has done the bulk of the work these last two years, and it's been a truly difficult time to coordinate this program when we were going between online and in-person and not knowing the, the future of this program. So thank you so much, Greg. And of course, thanks also to Margo, who has been an inspiration, for, for me at least, for many, many years, since ever since I joined this church and I honor her leadership and we will miss her participation in this program. And lastly, I'd like to, to ask, since this program has brought together so many people in this, in this congregation and has, has created such great relationships between people over the years, would all of you who have participated in a small group ministry please stand if you're able and willing? Thank you, let's give them a warm applause. And lastly, I'd like to announce that Small Group Ministry is hosting our coffee hour after the service. So please join us in the courtyard for coffee and tea and snacks. Thank you. Thank you. I also wanna say that Small Group Ministry is gonna take a hiatus for the summer and hopefully get a relaunch in the fall. Think about it um, for yourself. It's an opportunity to build intimacy and access a group of people working to talk about things of ultimate value too. I went this week to the Legion of Honor to see an exhibit that Margot had just told me about, this incredible Chinese designer, um, Gao Pei, a woman designer, extraordinary vision. And so it seemed appropriate to have one of her incredible outfits that take tens of thousands of hours to create. And I encourage you all to go see it and think of that at the end of the sermon too, to put on the cover of a gift to Margot, whose vision it was along with John Marsh to create this program that then multiplied the ministry that all of you then served as ministers holding these groups, which can be complicated depending on the dynamics of human beings, which are beautiful and complicated, as we all know, and, but also just creates the landscape for so much that's powerful and important that happen that doesn't have a lot of spaces in our world that's increasingly privatized and doesn't have places for gathering and creating new community. And so in the spirit of visions that are extraordinary and then are brought forth into the world, a small token of gratitude for these 20 years or more actually of this ministry and all that it has um, given rise to, all the harvests it has given rise to.
invite us to breathe deep and put ourselves in a space for time for meditation and prayer. Here we are surrendering for a moment to stillness. washed by the periodic sounds of a city beyond the walls, surrendered to the sound and presence to our own breath, to all breath drawn from the same air, We surrender to this moment just to be in the midst of this miracle, this miracle of body, of another day offered up into our hands. This temple we walk in, arms and legs of it, and the temple of time we move through. We give thanks for the miracle of others too, those beside us, those far away in other places, those who have surrendered over to the other side of this world. for all the companions we have and have had on this journey, for the songs on the road we have shared and the story and the laughter and the shared meals, for all that it is in this journey together that gives us joy, that gives us the courage to keep going, head high. We offer our personal prayers into this moment of time, this morning, using whatever word we use to name the yearnings of our hearts. We hold up the worries that we have that we need help to hold, the fears that we need support to live in the face of and through. The joys that we wanna yell out from rooftops, things we are so thankful for. Our prayers for those we love, particularly the ones who feel lost to us right now, that they find what they need 
even and especially if they don't know what that is themselves. And for ourselves in those same moments and circumstances. And this day, especially, we hold up all who serve and hold us with gratitude, and especially for our small group leaders and our facilitators. For Reverend Margot with her beautiful vision for how we might make deeper connection and how we might serve one another and how it has done all of that, this small group ministry. And for everyone who in ways small and large and intentional or just by the way they move through the world has helped make this place a garden, an oasis, a place of beauty and renewal for the rest of us and for each of us in the ways we do just that for others. May everyone in this world receive back abundantly what they have given so generously. For these and for all the meditations of our hearts, we pray. May our hopes and hurt, our yearnings and our thanksgivings be held and heard and life more abundant be available to us all. Amen. And now our offering, which today, as was stated earlier, is going to support the Faithful Fools Ministry. Today, in memory of Kay Jorgensen, whose spirit is in the space with us. And if people are paying online or writing checks, if you can just write today's date, the 22nd of May, and special offering, so we make sure we aim this gift toward the goal for which we have set our generosity this morning. Thank you in advance for all your gifts.
When I first entered this sacred space about a decade ago, it hit me like a giant whack-a-mole that I was finally home. This place spoke to me like a long-lost friend. The word safe arose and hope and a warm spirituality. You see, I had been truly floundering from both the death of my father and the ravages of osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, and degenerative disc disease. I had made the decision to step down as my clown character, Poindexter the Clown, at least in any full-time capacity. A very tough decision when one's fullest sense of accomplishment and joy comes from clowning around and bringing love and smiles to children and others. Funny then that the first way I saw I could be of value was by changing into my mom-made motley garb and resurfacing as Poindexter, or maybe Poindexter Light. And so I met with the inspirational Allison Jacks and felt welcome to volunteer. What an incredible amount of love Allison has dealt out in our congregation and religious education programs. Then just by coming back again and again, a place within I'd felt not quite whole began to fill in again within my chest. The wide variety of activities that lean towards social justice give me such joy. And just the sheer majesty of this space here, from the majestic grand pipe organ played by our extraordinary Reiko Odelaine, to the incredibly thoughtful, engaging style of preaching one John Buren's practiced weekly, to the very literal writing on the walls. This place is intriguing, mysterious, funny, and beautiful. It was John who suggested that I might enjoy becoming a worship associate, and as usual, his judgment was sound. The educational and entertainments provided by this closely knit yet wide-open church is a phenomenon. From the sensible cinema nights to the many meals and receptions and the huge impact of the small group ministries, it seems there's always something going on up here. I'm certain that Margot Campbell Gross had quite a role in the success of these ministries as her warmth and words have always been quite supportive and positive to me. In such a sketchy world full of anguish, war crimes in the Ukraine, senseless attacks on women, persons of color, LGBTQ rights, and among others, a pesky pandemic. In such a world to find a loving oasis, a community centered in love and helping others amounted to an epiphany in my life. My hope is that if one of you, here or out there, is feeling so down and out you need help, well, you've come to the right place. Now this feels like a home to me, and for that, and for our senior minister, Vanessa Southern, amongst others, I am exceedingly grateful.
We had a friend visit last weekend. It was so nice to have a friend visit again. He teaches Greek and Latin at a private middle school through high school in New York, as he has for decades now. And I asked him how things were going, and he said, well, I'm not supposed to say this, but our kids are not okay. Kids are not okay right now. His partner, who teaches classics at a college in New York, observed the same thing and pointed to an opinion piece that appeared that very day in the New York Times, written by a man who teaches writing at Southern Methodist University, a piece titled, My College Students Are Not Okay, and named what he was seeing, what our friend was seeing, oppression, anxiety, ennui, disengagement. Are the kids the only ones who are not okay? A couple of folks have told me in the last few weeks that they have sought a psychiatrist lately, either to help get some help lifting themselves up or someone they love out of a kind of tar pit of despair or anxiety, and they found all the practices they called full with waiting lists of three to four months. It's the lag effect, it must be, of all that we have been through. And at the same time, my colleagues across denominations are reporting that people are starting to come to church or synagogue, but there's still often more people online than in the pews. We did a survey recently, and all the results will be forthcoming. 89 of you, by the last time I checked, had filled it out, so thank you for doing that, to try and just find out how everybody's doing. I looked this morning, and 18 of the 89 households had someone who said that they had come in the first two months that church had been reopened zero times. But they'd filled out the survey, they're connected to the community, and not all of them said they were very concerned about health. Few people said they were concerned at all about COVID. Theater spaces, if you've been to theaters recently, I don't know, the ones I've been to have been about a third full. This, though the stats say if you're vaccinated and everyone's wearing KN95 masks, the chances that you'll be infected are pretty small. So it makes you wonder what's keeping people away, if it's just fear of COVID. Talking to folks, I have a sense that we are all okay, that we did what we needed to to get through the last couple years or the last couple months, but there's this piece of us that isn't entirely okay, something that needs a fix, but what? Let me step back for a moment. There are a few things that we human beings crave and are hardwired for. I find all of this fascinating, all of the studies. It's like my secret indulgence. Learning, did you know that learning actually improves our happiness when we're exposed to something new and we feel like we're learning something new? It makes us happier. We're hardwired for learning, apparently. We're hardwired for this other thing called connection. 
did you know, and you probably did, that connecting with other people is literally one of the ways that we can quiet a stress response when we're having anxiety or stress. It helps it complete so that it doesn't lodge in our bodies with all the negative health effects of when stress lodges in our bodies, how it makes us sick over time. But we can stop that response if we talk to others, if we're held, if we laugh, if we just sit and share our stories. It's, it's incredible, this power of someone listening to us and reflecting back that they've heard us and how that's healing to us. Just to be seen, just to know that what we've experienced has been seen by someone else too as real. I think that's probably also why, by the way, as I was thinking about it, gaslighting as an experience is so particularly horrible because it does completely the opposite, right? You risk naming a pain or a hurt or a frustration and someone not only doesn't want to hear it, but then denies that you've actually had that experience. It's a double whammy of just what we don't need when we've had something hard happen to us, right? We are so hardwired for connection that did you know that if you're commuting on a train and you talk to the stranger next to you, just a few words or sentences, I mean about anything, right? The weather, I love your cologne, uh, you know, what's that you're reading? That the happiness lag effect is greater than if you sat during that same commute reading a fabulous book or listening to music you love even if you're the kind of person who hates to talk to strangers. We are so hardwired for connection. We're hardwired for laughter. So I don't know if anyone else did this bizarre experiment regularly on a small child, but have you ever taken a baby, like not a teeny tiny baby, but one who's a little older, and forced yourself to pretend laugh hysterically? Anyone ever done this? Okay, now go find a baby if you haven't and do this. It's a little bizarre and you have to be a good actor. But basically, in our household, occasionally someone would do this, where you start laughing hysterically. And then the baby starts laughing, though there's no joke. Anyway, my husband used to do that and then he would say, you, you faker, you're such a social laugher. But the truth is, we're actually all social laughers. The minute you hear laughter, one study said, your facial muscles get ready to smile. And we release endorphins when we laugh. It must have been so great, Dennis, having a career that was all about getting the laughter started. We're meant to laugh, we're meant to connect, we're meant to learn to tell our stories and be heard, to hear other people's stories and show them that they're heard, all of this. We're hardwired to serve one another. Did you know that when you, Margot reminded me of this, that when you want to feel happier, one of the best ways is to do something for someone else? Like literally if people were given money and told you can either give this to someone who needs it or pay for something or do something for them or you can buy yourself something you really want or need that the happiness lag effect of the people who give it away or buy something for someone else is so much greater. We're literally hardwired to serve. 
And a bunch of these things, I think, are part of what small group ministry makes room for, has made room for, these vessels that are all about an easy way to connect, to tell our stories, to be heard, to be listened to. All small groups are asked to do an act of service at the end of the year or by the end of their time together. And things like laughter happen naturally in groups when we're sharing what's gone on in life. And so has the support for one another. So someone has surgery or gets COVID and guess who ends up bringing you soup if you're in a group of six to 10 people that meet twice a month? It's the people in your small group. And it happens in church. Laughter and hope and connection and being seen and learning and serving. It feeds all of this, quite literally, our humanity, like the best of our humanness, of our wholeness. And yet, I have been also hearing and feeling lately how hard it is for people, for us, to rise to the occasion of getting what we need. I mean, we're putting small groups on hold because people aren't signing up or can't seem to make it to the meetings. And I don't say that with blame, just acknowledgement. And volunteering is down across the board. I'm vice chair of the Interfaith Council, so 800 organizations are part of this. They're all talking about volunteering is down. And even showing up to things is down, hence the theaters, one-third full. For those of you who turned up today, like three cheers. Hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. It takes so much, I think, for us to show up these days. And I wanna just do a quick experiment of asking how many of you this morning considered at least once, like a voice in your head said at least once, do you really wanna to go to church? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask how many people's voices said that multiple times. And after you're done, I will be interested to know, though it might hurt my feelings, but I can take it, how many of you regret coming when you're all done? I mean, even if there is no more cream at coffee hour by the time you get there, even if the sermon doesn't speak to you, something about coming, the routine, getting out into the sunshine, talking to the person on the BART on the way, the hellos, the singing, being here, connecting to some, something bigger than you, a quote that pulls you through time, questions voiced that were just inside you, but now you realize, oh, everybody's thinking these questions. Something, something that has the ability to pull us out of those tar pits we are somewhat stuck in. And I'm not any different. I went on a hike this week with a colleague. But boy, I wanted to go back to bed and curl up and do as little as possible. I felt exhausted by the time it was time to leave for the hike, which was 10.30 in the morning. And so I had to talk to myself the whole time. I don't know if you know these kind of voices. It was like, Vanessa, shh. Just pack your bag, just put on your sneakers, just shh, just grab your BART card, just get your suntan lotion, 
Just take a snack. You're going to like it. You're going to be happy you did this. Just get out the door. I was like a mother coaxing a toddler to go to school in the morning. And I did it, and I went, and I ended up racking up 10,000 steps, and I got a little bit of sunburn on my shoulders, and I left exhausted, and I came home energized and really, really happy that I had connected with this other person and knit back together a little bit. But that's been the pattern. I don't want to go, I go. I don't want to do it, I do it. And a little more humanity is healed in me that I'm always glad I went, but I am doing this daily these days. It's like trying to set new habits. It's like if you forgot what it meant to brush your teeth regularly, and you forgot that it not only felt good, but you loved having fresh breath, and it was really good for your dental hygiene in general, and you had to just every day force yourself to brush your teeth and every day be reminded that you feel better until you got into the habit again. That's what I feel like I'm doing in my relationship to the world. Didn't want to go to the high school musical. Far exceeded expectations. Laughed maybe a little too much, probably embarrassed my child, sat next to a mom I hadn't seen in months, felt alive as I left the theater. Didn't want to go to the Jazz Center, but I had bought tickets in advance for everyone in the household, including my visiting parents, and it was an incredible piece of music. And I was in this gorgeous space of the San Francisco Jazz Center. And just to hear people draw breath and yell bravo and applaud and get to their feet at the end, and this piece of music about the narrative of our city, it felt so connecting connecting to people, connecting to beauty, connecting to the pulse of life and music and all of it. I think I told you all that I have a friend who's Afghani who says there's a saying in Farsi which translated is, one step, I bless you. One step, I bless you. And I've been thinking of it again these days in a different way than I normally do about how it's the wisdom again to guide us in this moment. Just one step, especially if that's all you can handle on a given day, whatever that one step is, and know and trust you will be healed and blessed. And then one more step. Or if you prefer commercial culture to mystical Islam, then the Nike ad, the one that says, just do it. Live that. I think that's the spiritual key for a lot of us in this moment. To knit ourselves and the world back together, we have to get used to just doing what's uncomfortable, strangely uncomfortable and awkward and hard in order to revive the humanity in us, all the stuff we're hardwired for. I read this week that anxiety shows up in a desire to control our circumstances and wipe out uncertainty. So it would make sense that we might all be living in some collective legacy anxiety right now. And that actually the way to get over it is to lean into the discomfort of it and the uncertainty of it all to the hard places and then watch them give way, that that's the way through anxiety. 
it would all make incredible sense if that was what we were experiencing. All the stuff of our humanity that got squashed in the last two years, and now we just have to relearn what it means to be deeply human. So my offering this morning is just simply that I think this is a time for the spiritual discipline, unless you are already fully regained, have fully regained your own humanity and are out in the world um, tap dancing everywhere you go, in which case, like, please, can you lead a course for the rest of us? But just one step at a time to be kind to ourselves, but also to buy tickets in advance so maybe we're less likely to back out, to push ourselves out the door, to lean in, to stretch into connection, into the world, and all the ways we're wired for. That the ancient blessing tells us if we just take that one step that we will be conferred in the next and we will relaunch covenant groups in the fall and in the meantime, make your own. It's called a dinner party. Just do it. And may the Nike, the goddess of victory, not the shoe, spread her wings over us all and bless us in our quest to step through the hard parts hopefully the last of them, and confer on us victory in rejoining this knitted back together world of fully human, deeply spiritual, connected and alive people. Amen. Let's remain standing, but you can put down your hymnals or your orders of service and hold hands unless you don't want to, in which case just cross your arms across your chest and we will otherwise connect. Did you want to join hands or? Okay. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. 
out from within us, be gracious unto us, and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Thank you.